Hello and welcome to Walk the Walk. This is where we explore diverse journeys of of faith. Across the board, we have people who have been um, in many different places throughout their life. And today, I have a special guest that is going to talk to us about his childhood into adulthood and his journey with Jesus Christ. So I want you to help me in welcoming V. Wynn. Hello, V. How you doing, Tina? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great today. Thank you. So did you have a, have a busy day so far? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, kind of a crazy morning, but uh, the afternoon's a lot better. Well, you know, this is also your opportunity to do a shameless plug of, of your business, but that might come in later. But if it doesn't, I want to make sure I say something about it at the end, okay? Yes, thank you. Okay, Steve wants to talk to us, uh, or I want Steve to talk to us about his journey as a young um, a young man. And so, Steve, I want you to just kind of dive in a little bit about uh, what kind of took place um, when you were young. You know, uh, I'm the, the third child out of four kids. And, you know, throughout my whole life, I've never felt really wanted or loved. And, and um, as I got older... When I say older, starting around eight years old, you know, I just um, I, I was introduced with Christ in my life and and uh, ran from Christ for, for you know for a very long time um, because I just felt like God made a mistake when He made me. Never fit, never felt like I fitted in anywhere. So, what did it look like not to fit in? Like, give me examples of like, okay, I'm I'm why why do you feel that way, or did you? Know, you feel- I, uh, out of all four kids, I'm the, I'm the only one that didn't graduate high school. Uh, you know, reading and writing was a struggle for me where my other siblings just excelled at that. You know, they were all good looking, you know, you know, you know everybody had straight teeth. And it just, for, with me, everything was a struggle. Like, you know, couldn't wrap my brain around a lot of things and couldn't comprehend a lot of things. And, you know, just growing up, like when I was born, I was uh, really, really sick. And later I would find out from my dad that he had to work overtime to get certain medicine uh, to keep me alive. And and throughout my childhood, I would hear from my mom and my dad that uh, they should have never got the medicine and they should have let me die and and stuff like that. And and it's just it was just a real struggle just trying to fit in. You know, at that time when we came to America, you know, the Asian people didn't you know, we weren't really uh, accepted because the war was over and. You know, and uh, people felt like we, you know, the Vietnamese community killed their their loved ones in the war because they felt like they shouldn't have been over uh, in Vietnam, you know. So just coming over, just trying to fit in. And, you know, I blinked a lot. You know, I was overweight and I was scrawny. I stuttered, you know, crooked teeth, ugly smile. And, and, and on top of that, being left-handed. So I felt at a very young age that, you know, everything was stacked against me and, and even God, um, kind of made me wrong or that's what I felt at the time. That's so interesting. Cause you and I first met, you had posted something on, um, Facebook or something. And Jeff and I came to your house and purchased what you were selling. And the funny thing is, is you said your name was Steve and that's how I have known you for years is Steve. And until, um, Yvette would tell us, she would call you V, and I thought, why? Why is she calling him that name? What? What's a, Tell me the significance of the Steve and V. 
You know, I always wanted to be um, growing up. I always wanted to be white. I even dyed my hair blonde at a young age because, you know, I just wanted to be. I, I just wanted to fit into the, uh, you know, I guess the American society. And and at that time, you know, trying to meet girls and trying to meet people and and to say my name was V, they kind of laughed at me. So at age twelve, I just decided to start calling myself Steve. And from there on, you know, people kind of liked me a little better because even though. I looked Asian. I had an American name, and I felt、um, more accepted. And so I've been going with Steve since I was 12 years old until maybe about two years.、Uh, no, until about four years ago,、uh, when I got my real estate license. Everything I do has to be with my birth name. So I slowly transitioned back to to V about four years ago. And I still struggle with it. I'm I'm not gonna lie, but I know that. You know, when I say it, I think you know that really is a negative for you, for me to call you Steve. So I really struggle with V, but I, I'm working on it. So tell me, you kind of alluded to the difficulty that you had as a child. Tell me about your relationship with your parents.、Uh, my dad was very abusive, and my mom was very passive. And in, in, in the Vietnamese culture, you know,、um, the wife really kind of stepped back and let the dad. You know, run the show, and and she she wouldn't dare to speak up. Is then she, you know, if not, she'll get the, the 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 punishment also. So my dad would drink a lot, and he would beat me and my brother pretty bad with bamboo sticks, and um and then after that, you know, we lived in Florida where it's very hot and humid, and after he beat us, he would throw us in a um a shed where you store lawn you know lawn equipment. He would store us in there, uh, and he would just stick us in there for hours. You know, and so my dad, you know, when he started drinking and stuff like that, he just got really nasty physically. But then, when he's not drinking, he would just get nasty with us verbally. You know, I heard daily how dumb I was, how I amounted nothing, how I'll never become nothing. So, you know, growing up, I, I, I always wanted my dad's love and acceptance, but I never got it. And when I found out he committed suicide in 2001 or 2002. You know, I felt a relief. I felt I was I was I was excited. I was happy because I was just young and dumb at the time. I couldn't comprehend that. I just felt happy that he was gone out of my life. Wow that that sounds horrible. That life now, and I I hear what you're saying is you felt happy about that. How did that affect you as an adult? I mean, was there any guilt in that? Was there a time where you had to try to come to grips with the fact that your dad was gone? Was there any amends on his part? What happened with that? You know,、um, being surrounded by good Christians, I finally found peace to forgive my dad because a real good friend of mine, great Christian, great rooted friend of mine named Rand, he said, "V, you know, just to let you know, you know, hurt people hurt and." And that's all they know sometimes, and that's all they give out, you know. And for a long time,、um, I, I, I struggled forgiving my dad, but I finally forgave my dad because I would go through like a restaurant on a Sunday or McDonald's, and I would see a son with their their dad, and 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 their dad would be like, you know, can I have a Sunday? And and the, the son would be like, yes, dad, you can have that, but you have to eat first. And you know, it's just certain things in life that I see.、Um, That I'll never experience and, and I'll never have with my dad, and it, and it bothers me on a day-to-day basis. But at the end of the day, looking back, you know, my dad had a very rough, rough upbringing in Vietnam. You know, he did the best he could. 
for what he had and looking at my life with my kids, I wasn't a great father. You know, I learned from my dad and, and it, it, it hindered my relationship with my daughter. But, uh, you know, I over focus on never beating my daughter, but I hyper focus on the physical side. But I, I, I mentally sometimes, you know, mentally abused her uh, that way. I beat her with my tongue instead of my hands. And at that time, that's when I realized my dad did the best he could with what he had. When did you come to grips with the fact that I have to forgive? I have to forgive my dad. When did that you know, um, when when you walk with the Lord and you, you realize Jesus Christ forgiven, have done all that stuff for you, you know, to be a, a, a Christian and continue to grow in your faith and your walk, you have to start um, peeling that onion and you got to start burning your past and asking for forgiveness and, and, and to forgive the people that, you know, that, that supposedly love you. And, and that's how I, I found forgiveness in and for my dad. But did you, you did not, or were not able to physically ask your dad for forgiveness because he had already passed. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. He's been gone since 2002. So how do you get through that? What's that process look like when I need to ask for forgiveness from somebody that's not around anymore? You know, a real good friend of mine, actually a real pastor, uh, an old pastor friend of mine told me sometimes, you know, the people that you need to forgive and ask forgiveness for may not be around he says, um, put it on a, a postcard and um, you know, just, just stack them up on a postcard and start a fire and say a prayer over each postcard and throw it in the fire. Or, you know, And I started doing that probably five or six years ago. And it's really helped me because you know at that time, I've, I've done all I can and, and um, I can't seek them for forgiveness. And, and the only way that I can truly give it uh, and leave it in the past is just to write it, verbalize it, and then burn it. Have you ever found yourself writing the same um, thing over and over? Uh, yes, numerous of times, you know, and uh, for different people and for, and for the same people. You know, sometimes I, I'll go fine, I'll do fine, and then something would trigger and I fall into this little depression again. And then um, doing that sometimes get me through it. And plus being with other Christians too, they, they pray over it and they pray over me um, to help me along the way. Yeah, I've talked to other people who have gone through the same thing and they say, I, I thought I laid it down. I thought, I thought I was really, truly forgiving somebody. And I do the same thing. I'm not going to lie. I've had times where I thought, okay, I'm good. I've, I've, I've forgiven. I feel like I'm not rehashing this over and over. And something triggers it. Like, you know, and it's like, oh, I thought I was through this. What, what do you say to that? What Do you have any recommendations on how somebody can get through that? You know, a lot of times to get through it, I think you have to sit down and just really um, just talk to yourself and just tell yourself, hey, you know what? Why are you carrying this burden that you already given away? Why why do you continue to put this 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 all this weight on your shoulders when you can't grow. And when, when I started telling myself that, uh, and then I, I also tell myself too is, is you know, look at where you were a year ago with the same wow. problem and look at where you are now. You know, it, it, it may feel different. It, it, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, it may feel the same, mm -hmm. but the path of forgiveness is not as much as it was every single day. It can go every other day. It can go every other month. So that's, mm -hmm. to me, that's progress in, in, in your forgiveness to other people. 
Yeah. And and forgiveness is really a tough thing. And, and I'm sure you've heard that people say forgiveness is about my, me, not necessarily the person I'm forgiven. Uh, people do things to other people and they're long gone, but the behavior or what they've done to you stays with you. And what people don't realize is how, how unhealthy that is for us to, to, to keep all that inside of us. Because, I mean, even if the person has not passed, they have no clue that they're still affecting your life. And so I think that true forgiveness is a challenge. And I think some people just, you know, they need to hear the fact that, you know, other people do it and can get through it. Sometimes it's just, just depend upon how hurtful, how hurtful something is. So tell me, can you tell me a little bit about your walk with Jesus today? You know, my walk has been really like a roller coaster ride. You know, my my neighbor brought Christ in, in my life when I was eight years old. And when you're eight years old, you go to church and you hear how, you hear how powerful, how great this God is. And, he loves and protects his children mm. and uh, you go home to in a very abusive family and you get beat daily and you, mm. you hear daily how dumb you are and after each beating and after each you know each each tongue bashing you lay there and you're waiting for this god to come take you yeah. out of this 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 situation because you're young you don't understand that you know that he doesn't come and just take you out of there you know so after a while you go you keep going to church and then you repeat the same thing going home you lay there and you start believing that even maybe god doesn't even want you maybe you're just dumb kid and you're just whoever and and god doesn't even want to save you so you you grow resentment towards this god that you think you know and then you just start blaming god for everything and you just run from him for so many years and and um you know so i did that for a long time i went and then when i was 16 you know, God brought this, you know, this uh, this guy into my life named Dan the Barber. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he started planting his seed and I started running. And, and, you know, I just kept on running from him. No matter who he brought in front of me, I just kept on bashing God. That God God's not real. God's not there, you know. And then um, in 1996, I really, that's, that's when I kind of found God in 1996. But my walk with him at that time was really off and on. Um didn't really understand it, you know, went to church, shake hands, life's great, good, mm-hmm. you know, God's good, and you go home and, you know, you're you're, you're fighting with your wife and yelling at your kids and, right. and looking at, you know, porn or, you know, whatever you were doing at the, whatever I, I was doing at the time, you know, and never really felt um, the connection with God, you know, so I limped a long life then. And then 2004, 2005, kind of, I, I met Yvette and we started our relationship with Christ, and that's when I truly, truly felt the connection with God for the probably the first, you know, four to five years. Mm-hmm. You know, felt really connected with God, and then kind of lost my way uh, for a while. And you know, 2013, you know, God gave me reality check. You know, I ran so much, I'd focus on my business, me. You know, trying to prove to the world that I'm not stupid. And now I'll become something. And mm. in my in my eyes, in 2013, I thought I made it. You know, uh, getting recognized and my business was successful. And I did some stupid stuff. And uh, God gave me a reality check. You know, at that point, and that's when I realized. You know, um, there's more in life. Um, I have to give my life to God. Truly, give my life to God. And it's been a roller coaster ride since then. And and I felt more connected with God. 
in the past two and a half years than I've did my whole entire life. Yeah. You know, um, when you're divorced and you're sitting at home and the demons come out, you you learn a lot about yourself and you realize how much God and the Holy Spirit is surrounding you in those moments if you allow Him in. And so, you know, I, I'm still a work in progress, but I I, I I trust the Lord now more, and I focus and I surround myself by you know more Christian people that can help me better build my relationship with God. Yeah, isn't that isn't it that tough? It's I think it's even tougher on us when we know we're just putting on a facade, when we know that when you walk into the church, if if you could you. I think I've heard myself say, oh, if they've only knew, like Jeff and I had a fight before we got here today, or or if they only knew, you know, behaviors that we certainly would not show in church, that's tough. I think that's an internal battle we all have with trying to be that perfect person for God. And we know that that's just not possible. No, you're right, because, you know, sometimes as Christians, we, we don't want to let other Christian know that we failed, you yeah. know, and, and and not to say this to be, you know, um, but, you know, Christians, some Christians are the hardest people to um, to make happy. You know, you know, you, you have a lot of Christian people that are waiting to pounce on for you to fail mm-hmm. so they can say something. And, and you know, and, and, and it makes it harder for Christians that are coming up mm-hmm. to realize that, hey, you know, it's OK to fail because. You know, we shouldn't judge anybody, you know, and, and, and a lot of I feel a lot of Christian communities, especially the older ones, they, they, they tend to judge, judge a younger community and younger Christians. You know, well, you, you fail. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. You know, and I think that's why why so many people um, run from churches because of that yeah. that reason. I agree. I think. Yeah, I think it's really hard to be a Christian as it is, but to be even a young Christian. And I think we're so busy trying to tell other people what they're doing wrong when, in fact, we need to just keep into our own business. And, you know, I thought I I think I saw something on Facebook yesterday where somebody said, I'm going to be sending you all W2 because you all been in my business so much. (laughs) (laughs) But it is the truth. I know it's really hard. I'm, I'm probably... I think sometimes I'm really bad at that. Like, oh, why can't you be? And then I think, Tina, what about you? You know, what about you? And so, yeah, it's really tough. So tell me, what do you think you could do now to make your walk even better with Jesus? You know, I I, I had this vision in my head. Uh, I, put, I put a post on Facebook a few days ago. And after I got done, the Lord revealed to me, you know, to me, um, God made made us all different for a reason, mm. and it took me a long time to realize that. Um, he gave me this vision. You know, let's say you're a baker and you you want to make eight cookies, so you you buy this packet and if you follow these instructions. You know, add this milk, add this egg, whip it. You get eight perfect cookies. So you follow the instructions, and by the time you get done mixing it, you you patty it and you form it on the baking sheet, and you. On the baking sheet, you have eight perfect round cookies that look beautiful. And then you look into the bowl, and there's this little bit of mountain left. And, and you know, you're looking at it, and you're like, well, I don't want to throw it away, but I can't form it, and I can't make it look like the other cookies. So what do you do? You just grab it, and you throw it on the cookie sheet, and you put it in the oven. When it comes out, you got eight perfect cookies and one messed-up-looking cookie. You know, to me, God showed me that he didn't make – you know what? He, he made me different for a reason than my siblings because 
you know, for, at that time, for whatever reason, he had a plan for me and he had a path for me. Even though I looked different then and I was different then, that little that little cookie or that, you know, in, in God's term, that black sheep is going to come around and do something that he has planned. And knowing that now, it makes me feel that, you know what? Yes, my journey took a long time because my my journey took a long time because I couldn't get out of my own way yeah. in my own head from blaming him for everything. And now I look at things and I'm like, you know what? I'm happy to be who I am. I'm different from everybody else. And I can teach other people other things that no one can, has ever been through. Mm-hmm. And that helps me with my walk every morning when I get up. I think the other thing to note is that all those cookies taste the same. I mean, they're just as delicious. All of them are equally delicious, but mm-hmm. they look different. And um, and I think that, you know, it's good to hear people look different and people should look different. I mean, we should. That's what God created. Otherwise, we'd all look the same. And wouldn't yep. you hate it if everybody had to look like me? <laughs> oh, I know. That, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> so get tell me or tell our listening audience what do you recommend for them if they're going through the same kind of thing? They may not be going through specifically what you've gone through, but kind of that self-doubt and self-dislike. Um, what would you recommend for them? You know, to me, it'll take time for you to feel comfortable in your own skin and be comfortable in what you bring to the table. And, um, you know, just just be patient because God will reveal to you like he revealed to me, I'll be 52 years old this year. It took, it took me to get to 52 years old to finally realize my worth and what I bring to the table as a husband, a father, a Christian, a brother or sister, whatever it is, you know, just, you know, the shepherd's coming, you know, the, the shepherd's going to come for you. And when he, and, and when he does, he's going to reveal to you why you took the path, why he had that path for you. So, you know, when you feel like giving up, don't give up. You know, the world can give up on you, but you have to wake up every morning and look in that mirror and say, you know what? I got this day. And don't say I got this. Say I got this day because every day is different and every day brings different challenges. And I think if you get to that mindset and realize, you know what? Yes, I'm lost, but the shepherd's coming and the shepherd's going to review to me my next steps. And I think it's important that we hear that God brings people into our lives um, at different times. For you and I and Jeff, um, he brought you into our life, but it kind of, um, it was, well, I know I've always had a lot of fun whenever you're around. We, we have almost maybe too much fun. But, um, you know, I did not really know who you were. I didn't know the troubles that you were going through or whatever, but, but you were such a blessing to Jeff and I. And I'm going to tell, I'm going to do a little shameless plug here for, for V in the fact that um, we were not wanting to sell our house when we first met V. We were buying an address, a bathroom vanity, right? Something like that. And Jeff was going to repurpose it, which he did. And it was beautiful. And it was something I always wanted. But then the rest of the story will tell you why I didn't get to always have it or have it. Um, We had mentioned slightly to uh, V, excuse me, that we wanted Possibly we're going to sell our house. Well, his ears perked up and he's like, oh, I can come over and help you with that. And I thought, who is this guy? But, you know, I thought, okay, come on over. Well, before you know it, 
uh, long story short, I hope, that he ended up helping us sell our house. But Steve has a business that is so incredible. And um, it was such a blessing to us. It allowed us to sell our home because Steve did the contract work. And Steve also is a real estate agent. So he he, he did the repairs that he felt we needed um, and then sold our home. And we got so much more money out of that house from what he did. So I'm going to let Steve finish this and, and do a little um, blurb here for his business. Well, I appreciate that, Tina. Thank you very much for that. And, you know, and when I first started this venture, I prayed about it. And as we know, there's like 6,000 agents in, in central Ohio. And um, I wanted to be different. And we, Yvette and I prayed about it. And the Lord said, float the remodel money. So what I do differently is if you want to put your house on the market and you don't have money to put into it, if you hire me as your contractor and your real estate agent, I'll do all the remodel work, no money out of your pocket until we sell the property and I get paid from the proceeds of the sale of your property. And ever since I started that business venture, it's been nonstop for me. You know, the Lord has blessed me with homes after homes and, you know, clients after clients. And and um, when I start to worry about things, you know what God says, I got you. And, and I get a phone call and it's another listing or another something or contract work. So. I've been very blessed and I follow, you know, Yvette and I, we follow, you know, his path and in my business and, and he says he has blessed me uh, ever since. And it really was remarkable because I remember me wanting to make this change and that change. And I remember you saying, look, there's a, sometimes there's just too much. Let's let, and so Steve was, uh, V was very good at saying, this is what we need to do. People are going to come in and change this. You're just going to waste your money. So he was very good at helping us know what changes and I'll, I'll never forget and this is the last thing I'll say about it is we went on vacation and I got a text from from uh, V and Yvette they were at our house that we were selling remodeling our deck and it was like this guy is true business I mean this is a guy who has a heart for for helping people um, sell their homes so Jeff and I have been forever grateful to you for that we do miss that home by the way i'm just saying but well and I, and, I, and I really appreciate you guys trusting me because you're like you know this guy's on facebook we're buying a vanity now we're trusting him with his home yeah. with, with our home and right. i'm really glad you guys did and yeah. we and even let him into our home and doing that <laughs> you, we even let him come into our home <laughs> but it was perfect it was a great setup and then i you know when you look back at those things you're like that's how god does it he brings people into your life that would never otherwise be there. But now look at us. We consider ourselves to be great friends. And uh, I feel blessed that you are our friend. And I hope you feel the same way. Do well, thank you, you for having me on here. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. Is there anything that I missed that you would like to add? Oh, no, I think um, I think um, we hit all the, yeah. the, the important things, Good. I think. Good. Well, to my listening audience, I really appreciate you listening today. And if you have any questions or if you want uh, V's contact information, I'll make sure we get that posted. But honestly, you can trust him with your home. But I think even more than that, we can trust him as a good friend. So I thank you for listening. And Steve, <laughs> I told you that was going to be a problem for me. V, thank you very much for being here. So thank you very much, Dean. I appreciate it.